Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colin, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ. This is Dan Spaith. He's one of our elders. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. This is our Wednesday evening conversation through the law and the prophets where we open up the Old Testament, we move through the narrative and the text, and we see how it impacts us today as the church and how it how that text connects to Jesus. Um, if you're listening to this on the Heart and Hands podcast, I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And make sure to comment down below. Um, if this ministry has blessed you or you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, I want, want to encourage you to head over to that website. At the top of the page, we have a donate button that uh, take, will take you to PayPal, and you can partner with us as we seek to teach and preach the gospel. Uh, we're going to pray and get into the lesson. Again, church, thank you so much for joining us. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for being our God and for loving us. Father, we know we don't deserve anything that you give us. We know, Father, that we're flawed. We have issues, Father. And, and we know that your word uh, helps us to understand and helps us navigate all of that. And we pray your blessings as we study it this evening. Father, we thank you for the opportunity. We thank you for the technology. We thank you, Father, for those who will be watching and will be learning. We pray for them and pray that you open and touch their hearts. Father, thank you again for, for being our God, and thank you for your Son who, uh, who makes uh, salvation and grace and mercy possible, and we thank you for him. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're in Numbers chapter 12. Uh, 12. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Numbers chapter 12, and uh, again, you know, the book, the book of Numbers, where, what we're seeing and what we're experiencing is all of these rebellions. So yep. we're going to see all of these people, instead of, you know, obey the Lord instead of keeping him holy. And that's how the book starts out, right? The book starts out with them obeying, right? Mm -hmm. The Lord orders their camp and they all obey. And over and over and over again, we're told and the Israelites did everything the Lord said. Mm -hmm. The Israelites did everything the Lord said. So we're, we're told that repeatedly. And then Numbers chapter 11 hits, they hit the road and the first, first crisis. I think that, that I want to clarify, rebellion doesn't mean the the sins that they dealt with on a daily basis that's not what it meant okay that, no it's not what it means for us is either no uh god had made provision when he was when they were at the mountain for the sins they committed on a regular basis this is blatant disregard for god on a continuing basis and challenging him and his authority well and it's where and where does it stem from, right? So, and I love that you point that out because that's that's absolutely the case. We're not talking about you know these little incidental things that happened either on a personal scale or a community scale or a national scale, even uh, where they're trying to do the right thing and they're messing this up. That's not what's going on here. Mm -hmm. This is out and out. God, I do not believe yeah. that you were the author of life. Mm -hmm. God, I do not believe that you actually want to be our God. God, I do not believe the things you've promised us, which is that I'm going to get you into the land. I'm going to I give think, that to you. I think, you know, when you when we're talking about the individual things that we do on a regular basis, the remorse that comes immediately afterwards or when the consequences start coming, the remorse, that's not what's happening here. No. This rebellion, there's no remorse until God intervenes and blows their, blows their, their whole playground up. You know, that's when the remorse comes. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You're not sorry. You're sorry you got caught. Yeah. You know, the, you know, 
like I told that lady yesterday uh, that was a visitor, and uh, and she was she was anxious about coming because of of I think people won't accept me because I've got tattoos or or whatever. And and I told her I said this is just a hospital. There's sick people here. We're all sick. You know, and God's trying, God is, is in the process of working on us. This here, this rebellion, this is blatant disregard for God. I don't believe you. I want to be more important. How come he's got this and I don't have that? You know, and this goes past the, the, the opportunity to, to sacrifice animals to cover this. This is blatant disregard. This is looking at God and spitting on him. Is yeah. what this is. Well, I mean, it's like, it's, you know, if you look at David, David's a perfect example. Yeah, of this. perfect example. So David committed um, horrific acts. He, you know, murdered his his best friend. He stole he stole his best friend's wife, or one of his best friends, I would say, stole one of his best friend's wife. You know, had him murdered to cover up uh, to cover up the affair and the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I mean, just horrible. And yet God looks at him and says, "This is a man after my own heart." Mm-hmm. Now he says that at the beginning, right? Yeah. But. It's still true, and David is considered to be uh, an example of faith. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, how can that be? He he did some really horrible things. This is true, he did. And when he was confronted with the really horrible things he did, he repented, and he trusted in God, and he and he acknowledged that there is nothing in me here that is redeemable. It has to be God, and that's a profound statement for someone who lives under the covenant at Sinai, who yeah. lives under the law, because under the law, technically. David should be executed. Yes. There is no redemption for murder. But there is you, no sacrifice for mm-hmm, this. No. But yet you find him and 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 Paul writes to Timothy and says says we celebrate and I'm in chains for and I'm going to be killed for that Jesus was real. Jesus resurrected from the tomb and he was a descendant of David. Because that means that my sins can be forgiven. Yes. So we're not talking about we're not talking so when you look at sin when you think of sin we we oftentimes think of the greek understanding of sin mm-hmm. and that word means to miss the mark right it, it ultimately yeah. what it means is you know i'm aiming for this mark and i fall short of this mm-hmm. mark so it's like I'm, I'm drawing back an arrow and i'm shooting at a target and instead of hitting the bullseye it, it lands right in the ground right that is only one concept of sin also, Paul brings out this different flavor of sin, which is this idea of it being a power, it being enslavement, it being rebellion to God. And that's what really is in, in the heat. What we're looking at here mm-hmm. is that version, is this rebellion against God, which means I don't have faith in God. I don't trust that God yeah. is going to do. Yeah. See, our, our yeah. problem is we wrap our faith up in this idea that Jesus is real. Mm-hmm. And that's a really bad idea mm-hmm. because that's not what God is asking for. No. When God asks us to believe, when God asks us, asks us to have faith, it's not have faith that Jesus is real. That's part of it, certainly. Mm-hmm. But it's because Jesus is real, because Jesus lived, because he died, because he rose, have faith in what that means. And for us, that means we can have the Spirit of God indwell. We can be his children. We can sit on the throne with him. We can do all of these Mm -hmm. things. Uh, For them, it means believing not only that God is real, but what does that mean for them? Well, it means that he's going to be your God. Mm -hmm. This was the covenant. The covenant at Sinai was... You obey, and yeah. I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my yeah. people. Yeah. What they've basically said is, we don't believe you're going to come through on your end of the bargain. Yeah. Has anybody ever called you a cheat or a liar before, Dan? Yeah. How'd that feel? It felt bad. It felt really bad. Why? Because are you a cheat and a liar? I was then. 
Oh, well, you know, maybe you were deserving <laughs> it didn't feel, of it. It didn't feel as bad then because I wasn't cheating. Well, well maybe. Yeah. But as an elder of the Lord's I Church. Had, I had a, an individual that that that, uh, that uh, called me that uh, after I was a Christian. I mean, it was before I was a Christian, I think. I don't remember. Anyway, I it was, uh, uh, I, you know, I told I told his father who was standing there, I said, get this young man out of my face. I said, or he's going to jail. You know, uh, what he just said was was disrespectful and it was not blatantly not true. And then I turned to the kid and I said, now, let me tell you why it's not true. And I told him and he said, oh, oh. And I said, you know, and I thought, you know, that that anybody else would would have clocked him. Just clocking because it feels it feels bad. Yeah, it does. It, does. It, it feels bad, and and we're and one of the things you brought out, right? We're fallible men. We we're going to make mistakes. We've said it multiple times. I've said it from the pulpit. You've said it from the pulpit. James said it from the pulpit. If you put your trust in us, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna you're, you're gonna be disappointed. You're gonna be disappointed yeah. because we're gonna we're going to fail you. Yeah. Um. Now imagine how frustrated us understanding that that we're fallible how frustrated we get when people doubt us Mm -hmm. when people say oh well that's what they said but i don't trust Mm -hmm. them now imagine for god who has absolutely come through on everything he has said who has absolutely overlooked their rebellion at sinai the golden calf all that stuff and think of how upset he is when people say i don't believe you well look at what he says i mean if you look i mean he's come down now i mean here's moses here's aaron and, and miriam said I don't know why why Moses got so much stuff and how come he's so special. You got we, your real Bible back? Yeah. Oh, okay. We said we said, <laughs> said we're said we're we're just as good as he is. We've done stuff too, and God comes down. God says, "Get him over here. Get him over. Here. We yeah. gotta have talk." Well, what, let's let's read it again. Let's start at twelve one. Okay. And and move all the way through it. All right. Says Miriam and Aaron, Aaron began to talk against Moses because of the Cushite wife, for he had married a Cush. And we talked about all this. We did, right? yeah. Uh, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? They asked. Hasn't He also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, He said, "Listen to my words." Now, remember, he's ticked, all right? When there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord Lord burned against them, and he left them. I don't know... We're going to see the evidence of the burning, but that that phrase, the anger burned against them. I I don't want to see the anger of the Lord burn against people I know, and I know it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. Come one day, God's anger. I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be leashed out on the world at some point. You know, but here he said, when the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. It became as white as snow. Aaron turned toward her and saw that he had de- she had de- a defiling skin disease. And he said to Moses, please, my Lord, I ask you not to hold us against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb and its flesh half eaten away. Ouch. Ouch. What he what does he what does he know when he turns and looks at his sister, what does he know? What does he know? 
I had just experienced the, the absolute catastrophic anger of God. The rage. Because he's talked to them. They heard him. Yeah. He said, look at this guy. When I got a prophet, I speak to him in visions and all that. But Moses, I speak to him face to face. I don't speak to you face to face. Right. You know, how dare you? God's almost saying, how dare you speak to me this way? Do you know who you're talking to? That's one someone who can legitimately say, do you know who you're talking to? Yeah. You Where know? have we seen this before? Because we've seen, we've seen this before. This is a repeat. I don't remember. This story is on repeat. And we've seen it over and over and when over the, at again. At the golden calf. The golden calf. Yeah, that was, was one place one we them. saw it. Where else did we see it? I don't remember. The garden. Oh, that's, that's the right. first place we saw it. Yeah, he was he was angry. Yeah. And, and here and here we go again with who's 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 running the show? Who's calling the shot? Why does he punish Miriam and not Aaron? Whose idea was this originally? Was it Miriam's or Aaron's? And whose responsibility was it to step up and say, "Ah, this isn't a good idea. We need to stop this." Yeah. Right. So who's 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 Aaron, going, what's going Aaron, on here? you would think, listen, you'd think Aaron's been there with Moses. He's the one that had the staff in his hand, threw it down, and it became a snake. And then he picked it up. You know, you would think, did he, was he, did he have so much gall that he thought that God was doing these miracles through him? I think, based, based on the text, right, notice it says, Miriam and Aaron began to talk. Not Aaron and Miriam. Miriam is you think first that, in this. That's significant. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and I think that I think that God punishing Miriam, I think is absolutely significant. Now that doesn't mean that they're not both at fault. They are both at fault. But let's let's stop and think about this. There's a reason Paul says, "I suffer not a woman to teach man." There's a reason. There's a reason in churches of Christ we don't have women preachers in the assembly and women elders and women elders. There's a reason we don't do that. What is the story constantly telling us? What are the roles that God has set for men and women? Okay. We go back to the garden. Now, I'm not saying again that Aaron doesn't have fault here. No, he doesn't. I'm not saying Adam that Adam fault. doesn't have fault. Adam, fault. Adam and Aaron both have the greater responsibility. But let's really stop and think about this for a second. And this isn't an equality issue. Okay. Mm-hmm. All people are made in the image of God, male and female. Yes. But God has different expectations, different roles for different people. Mm-hmm. This is in the Old Testament and this is in the New and Testament. He, and he tells us in the church we're all one. That's correct. But we have different roles. We have different roles. Different and they're roles. incredibly important. Yeah. And so, look. I, I'm a, we just did a meal yesterday, guys. You know, this is this is the day after the fourth Sunday lunch. Okay. So you kind of get an idea when we're recording this. And, uh, and what happened yesterday from about 8 o'clock on until noon was the product of four or five women. Absolutely. Yeah. The last thing I want to do. Is do what they did yesterday. Now we can talk about what those roles are and everything, mm-hmm. because Miriam is also a prophetess. Yes. Right. So, and that makes some of us uncomfortable yes, that she's absolutely. a prophetess. Yes. So we can talk about some of those roles. We're not going to get into the nitty gritty no, no, of that no, no, right no, now, no. but I want us to see rebellion. How did this rebellion start? And it's a it's a picture of what happened in the garden again, mm-hmm. right? The enemy has come to Eve and says, "Oh, why don't why don't you eat of this fruit?" Right, and Eve Eve goes, well, no, because if we touch any of this fruit, we're going to die. So she doesn't really understand the command. Whose fault is that? 
Adams, yeah. who heard the command, right? Okay, so, oh no, I can't eat any of this fruit. I eat any of it, I'm gonna die. Well, the enemy comes in and says, oh, surely not. Sure, or if I touch any of it, I'll die. And he goes, oh, surely not, you won't die. No, no, no. No, in fact, when you eat of this fruit, the reality, you're gonna be like God. God's already said you're like him. Yeah. So for her to take that fruit, what does she have to do? She has to be in rebellion to God. She has yep. to doubt what God has said, that you are already like me, yeah. right? So she doubts what God has said, and then it goes even a step further. Not only does she doubt that she's like God, like God has already said, but now the enemy says, and not only will you be like God, but he doesn't want you to have it because, ooh, ooh, then you'll know things, yeah. and God is keeping this yeah. from you. Yeah. So that's how the temptation works. And Eve takes and eats, and then Adam, who's apparently close enough that she can just hand it to him, what does he do? Does he stop her and say, wife, what are you doing? No, don't do this. This is bad. Yeah. No, what does he do? He goes, oh, what? You didn't die. Oh, I want to take some of this for me too. So he joins in with her. And who gets punished? They both do. They both do. Mm -hmm. They both get punished. They all get, all ever, the punishment abounds. Now we ha get punished for it too. And now we get punished for it too, right? So everybody now, sin has entered, rebellion has entered the world, and, and we all fall. Here we are. God has shown them the way back into the garden. Mm -hmm. The expectation is to do what I've told you to do, to obey me, to follow me, to do these things, right? That's your obligation. Mm -hmm. I've brought you back in, yeah. not of your own accord, through yeah. sacrifice. I've mm -hmm. brought you back in. You can't earn it, right? That's, not, that's never been the plan of God. You can't earn his salvation. He has to freely give it. You've been allowed back in the presence of God despite your failings. Now, now that you're in the presence of God, obey. And what do they do? They've got the law to tell them exactly what they ought to do. And what are we seeing? Knowledge of the law, solely knowing the difference between right and wrong and what God calls you to do is not enough. And we're yeah. seeing it at every level. Yeah. We're seeing it at every level. Yeah. And See. now Miriam has stepped out of line. And instead of Aaron saying, sister, this is a bad idea, don't do it, which is what he should have done, he joined in her rebellion again. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we see this. This is it's a so, theme. It really shows the weakness of... of, uh, of the participation, the participants. What is the expectation? Man, you stand up and lead your family. Mm -hmm. Is Aaron leading here? No. No, he's following. And we've seen this with Aaron a lot. We saw this at Mount Sinai. The people rose up and said, hey, yeah. just, right? Society says, hey, come along. And Aaron goes, okay. And then the and then the comments that he gives to Moses about throwing the gold in and the, right. and the calf jumped out. I mean, if you don't see Adam in that, yeah. oh, well, it's, it's, the, it's the woman you gave me, God. Yeah. Yeah. We're supposed to be reliving this story over. This is the whole point. So mm -hmm. this this is this is what we call a design pattern. Mm -hmm. And it's all throughout the narrative. They're constantly going to rebel. All through all through their existence, they're going to rebel and God's going to always come to the rescue. It doesn't matter how many times God says don't touch the fire. No. It doesn't matter. That's the point. That's what we're supposed to be understanding. Paul would say it this way, right? The law was meant to lead us to whom? Yeah, meant to lead us to Jesus. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many times you tell a child don't put your hand in the fire. Don't be careful. Be, what are they going to always do? They're always going to do it at some point, to some degree. How many children do you know that have not burned their hands? At some point. If you take them camping or you take them some, what do you, be careful. That fire is hot. Be careful. They may know hot, hot, hot. And I guarantee you they're going to, they're going to touch the fire. You know? They're going to touch some element of it. Some element of it. They're yeah. going to touch it. Absolutely. They have this, to learn for themselves. We're and, seeing the same here, thing. And here we go. And you know, and and now her, her skin is leprous. If Moses, if God, somebody doesn't step in, she's going to die. 
But, it's, you know, it's very interesting. So the penalty for sin is death. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, he's made her leprous. So what does that mean? Does that mean she's dead? No. No. It means she's cut off from the people of Israel. It means she has to go outside the camp because she's unclean. It means that she no longer... I mean, so she has effectively been removed from any type of leadership position that yep. she had. And I, I think it's fair to say that she had some. Mm-hmm. We see her in her role as a prophetess. Yeah, we mm-hmm. We've seen her be successful. Mm-hmm. But what is the expectation? If you're in that role... Your expectation, not just for women, but for everyone, your expectation is to work for the good of the body, not for the good of yourself. Mm -hmm. She stepped out of line. And instead of her brother, who we don't know if she's married, we don't know where she's at, but her brother certainly would have the authority to say, sister, don't don't do this. Don't step out of line. She steps out of line. He turns her white as snow. What does God say about discipline in Hebrews? He disciplines those whom he... Yeah. yeah, Lee over there. Loves. <laughs> yeah, loves. So God is angry. And what does he do with his angry? Does he sin? Of course not. He can't sin. What does he do? He corrects. Yeah. He rebukes. Mm-hmm. And he gives Moses another opportunity to step into his role as an intercessor. Because yeah. what does Moses do? Look, look at what he, what, but look, I, he said, Aaron tell, said, that runs to Moses, says, please, please go to God. And he said, and he said to Moses, "Please, my Lord, I ask you not to hold against us this sin we have so foolishly committed." Yeah, they did. They they had a, they had a, a, a brain they had a brain meltdown here. They really and did. They, they did. said, "Do not be like a still." And then so Moses cries out to the Lord, "Please, God, heal her." The Lord replied to Moses, "If her father had spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days?" Confine her outside the camp for seven days. After that, she can come be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on until she was brought back. After that, the people left. Okay, you know. So you know that she's a the and in the law, there you have to confine and you have to eliminate and you have to ostracize to a point people who have diseases of some one kind or another skin disease especially you know for them there's no cure for this there's no cure for leprosy no. this is a death sentence a slow one too from what i from what i know of it it uh, it is uh, it is is extremely uh, it it's it's uh, ugly it's an ugly, ugly day. When I was working at the ER, we had a uh, a patient come in, and uh, she was an elderly woman, and we ended up calling the cops because she looked like she had been significantly neglected and abused by her caretakers, and I mean, I mean, it was bad. It was it was so bad, and we're talking to the family, and we're like, "How did she get like this?" And they're like, "You know, we don't know," and everything like that, and that set off a lot of alarm bells. Like, how could you not know? You know, like this, this looks like, like we were, we were, we were really concerned because the marks that we were seeing on her and stuff. I mean, we really thought that, you know, she'd been tied down to a bed possibly. I mean, it it was horrible, horrible. And so we we thought it was an adult, a case of adult abuse and neglect. So we called adult protective services Um, and we took care of her in the ER as best we could. We had no idea, no idea what was wrong with this woman. She ended up getting admitted. She was so, so bad. She ended up getting admitted. And we found out later that one of the uh, the interns, the the residents rather, not interns. I'm sorry. One of the residents ran a ran a panel on her and found out that she had leprosy. Wow. And I, I'd never seen somebody with leprosy before. And let me tell you, it is horrible. Absolutely. Hor- I mean, she looked like 
she looked like she, I mean, if, if you can imagine someone being beat to a pulp daily for a year, that's what she looked like. And none of us, I mean, leprosy is so uncommon today because we have antibiotics for it. You know, we, mm -hmm. we just, you know, you, you get this thing, we give you the antibiotics and, and you're good to go. But she'd had it for a while. And I, I mean, it was bad. It was very was bad. Was her skin white like this? Like uh, in some places, not everywhere. But it, it, I mean, it really looked, the best way I could describe it is, is if someone took a cheese grater to you for wow. a long time. I mean, it, it, it was horrible. I know that I, I know in, in later stages there, your extremities start to start to de decay and rot off like your nose, ears, fingers, yeah. that kind of stuff. I know that happens. Yes. What little study I've done on it. Uh, but it was, a, you know, was it, is it an infectious disease? It, it is from, from, I, now I, I'm not, I'm not a doctor, right? So I'm not an expert in all of this. I was just a paramedic, but from, from what I recall, uh, leprosy is a bacterial infection that sets in. Now, there could be a, a viral version of it. There is sometimes that, you know, where you have a bacterial version mm -hmm. of something, like you can have a bacterial pneumonia and you have a viral pneumonia. Mm -hmm. um, but from from what I recall, leprosy is a bacterial infection. We do have antibiotics for it today. Yeah. We can cure yeah. it today. Mm -hmm. um, but they also call any, in, in, they in the scripture- They call them all infections. They, any type of skin infection, yeah. uh, it's it's called leprosy. So there was, uh, there is actually, I forget the name of the disease where it, it, it bleaches your pigment, your mm -hmm. melanin in your mm -hmm. skin. Uh, and I'm probably not describing the process right, but you see those people with patches on their mm -hmm. face. They do differentiate between that here in the text where okay. God says, look, this is, this is not, well, what, you know, Aaron, what Aaron says is, is please don't let her become like a stillborn baby. Right. So I'm not saying that's what's going on with Miriam. What's going on with Miriam is she's, the Lord has struck her with, with leprosy. He has mm -hmm. disciplined her for her rebellion. And, and, you know, when, when, uh, Naaman, you know, Naaman was, was, uh, you know, when, when he, uh, and there was another time when he said, stick out your hand and, and his, and his hand brought his hand back and his leprous as white as snow. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's, I guess, one part of it. But, you know, whatever it is, it's a, it's a, it's a separation mm -hmm. and a death. Yeah. Which that's what death is. But this is a physical and ultimately a, a physical death and a spiritual separation from God. Yeah. From God's people. Because God's people is God. And so being kicked out of the camp for seven days, that's to get your attention to say, hey, I have no contact with God. And for them, contact with God was everything. See, our culture today, contact with God happens on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Yeah. yeah. And it lasts till 11, well, 11 15. The, the, the foolishness, the silliness, right? And I, I, call, I call it the foolishness, but the sil it's not foolish, it's silly. Right. We have we like to go to this verse where it says we're two or three gathered in my name. I'm there. Mm -hmm. Right. And we mm -hmm. use that verse. and We go, ah, ah, see, God's with us. If only two or three are gathered in his name. What? Do you not have the spirit of God? Does he not dwell within you? Is he not everywhere you go? Did Jesus not say, I'm going to be with you to the end of the age? Mm -hmm. God is with you wherever you go. And we look at that passage where he says, well, two or three are gathered in my name. Oh, he's talking about the church. And he's talking about discipline in that passage. Mm -hmm. He's talking about judgment. He's talking about when the church comes together and has gone repeatedly to a brother who is in sin, and that brother refuses to repent, refuses to, to turn, refuses to, to come out, right? And now the whole church has gone to him and said, please come out. And he says, no, I'm not going to change my ways. And Jesus says, well, then he's cut, you're to treat him like an unbeliever. He's cut off from the church. He's cut out. Because you've gone to him and you've gone to him, gone to him, and he refuses to turn. So he's done. He's done. I'm done with him. Where two or three are gathered in your name, there I am as well. And the idea is, I am there carrying out this sentence. 
you're not carrying out the sentence. Yeah, God is. I am carrying out the sentence. You've done what you're supposed to be. I had a brother come up to me sun, Sunday morning, and he said, well, I need to talk to you privately. And I went, oh, no, here we go. And so he, we, we, we stepped aside. We got somewhere private, and he said, well, I, this individual did this thing. It was wrong. And I said, stop. Did you go talk to them? Oh, yeah, I, I did talk to them. Okay. What did they say? Well, they laughed. And I said, okay, well, now you've got to give your brother an opportunity to not do it again, right? I said, your responsibility is to first go talk to them. You're the one who witnessed the thing they did wrong. You're the one who saw it, not me. You need to go talk to them. Now, however they choose to respond, you got to give them time. And let's see what happens. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I said, look, man, this is how it works in the church. You don't, oh, I saw something wrong. I need to go to my, I need to go get... I need to go get the pastor. I need to go get the preacher. I need to go get... No, 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 no. You saw it. You need to deal with it now. Mm-hmm. So you go do that. Mm-hmm. And now if he doesn't change and he does it again, then you can come back and we can talk and maybe you and an elder or you and me, then we can go approach that brother and we can find out what's going on. I said, because this is really out of character. This isn't right. And that brother knows that. So you need to go talk to him. And that individual said, okay. And I saw him and they were talking and he came up to me afterwards and he said, we got it, we got it handled. So it's, it's all good. It's all good. And I went, there you go. That's what happens. When you and do it the right way. When you do it the right way. Yeah. That's Matthew 18 in practice. Yeah. Matthew 18 yeah. in practice. What yeah. we do instead a lot of times yeah. or what is done, I don't want to say we, but what yeah. is done a lot of times instead is, oh, I'm, I've got this, I saw this person doing the wrong thing. Let me go talk to all these people about it. Mm-hmm. Let me go deal with all these people about it and says, say, no, you need to go to that person. Yeah. Yeah. When that happens, when we do that the right way, Jesus is among us when it when it comes time to look at a brother and say And that's what and that's what's happening here. God said God said, put her outside the camp, bring her back in in seven days, and everything's gonna be fine. Mm -hmm. You know, God's anger settled, Moses has gone and intervened, and and it's a picture of the church, what how it's supposed to work. God will get involved, God God gets involved, God passes judgment, passes sentence. Here it is. This is what, here are the consequences. This is the punishment for this. But here we go. Now, this is how we fix this. I really hope it's so important and so vital for people to get because people think the law, especially today, I hear some really wacky things about this law, mm-hmm. right? I hear that it, it's God's perfect law. Mm-hmm. The problem is that nobody wants to follow the law. You're out of your mind. Yeah. You're not reading your Bible well if you think that. Look. These people are first generation. They saw him on the top of the mountain. He handed them the law, and they're not following. What makes you think you, thousands of years later, are going to do a better job? You're not. Wake up. Peter deals with this in Acts chapter 15. For all these people trying to bind the law on people, run around saying, oh, we need to follow the law of Moses. What does Paul say? If you're going to say that, if you're going to follow the law of Moses, you got to do it perfectly. And you're not going to do that. Even if you set up an adjacent law to it, which people do all the time, yeah. people turn tradition into law, Dan, oh, and yeah. they think they're going to yeah. follow that. They're they're, they're going to follow their law perfectly. Do it everywhere. Jesus says, "By your standard, I'm going to judge it to you." Which means you want to come up with. Your, that's what the Pharisees did in the first century. They came up with their own law. They called it a hedge around the law of Moses, right? And they want to do that. I'm going to judge you with your own. You want to do that? I'm going to judge you by that standard. Because guess what? You're not going to follow it. No. You set up a standard. You're not going to follow it. The only way, only way. We can have redemption is in by the grace of God. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Now, does that mean I'm free to go out and sin no. and do all? No, no, of course not. But 
But because of that, I, because I, of his tra- I, tra- I, I, I do the things that I need to do to be transformed. Now, here's the thing. They're not going to be able to do it because not God brought them into his presence, right? He gave them law, all right? And then he patted them on the butt. And he said, okay, now go do it. And what they're learning is that they can't do it. Yeah. There's, they need something else. This is what Ezekiel is talking about. When God yeah. looks at Ezekiel yeah. and says, And that's says, what Jeremiah hey, says. Jeremiah says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a new covenant. Bingo. That's why we need the new covenant. Yeah. And this law and Jesus is, is the gone. builder and the architect of the new covenant. This is why Ezekiel says, God says to Ezekiel, I gave you laws that you weren't going to be able to keep. Yeah. I knew you weren't going to be able to keep those things. I gave them to you anyway. Why? Because you needed to learn. Yeah. And Paul yeah. says, and Paul picks all this up in Galatians. Yeah, and he says, does. The law was a tutor meant to lead us to Christ. Now we have the royal law. Yeah. Not the old law yeah. written in stone. Yeah. It's so important for people to grab onto this. And and we'll keep pounding it. We'll keep doing that. And we'll, we'll keep getting after it. They're, they'll they're gonna they're, they're gonna fall all the time. They are. So so we're gonna have plenty of opportunities to keep keep reminding people. This is why in the new covenant, God puts his spirit in us. Yeah. He gives us a new heart, a new spirit, a new spirit, and then he puts his spirit yeah. in us yeah. to move us to do yeah. these things. Because without that, we'll never do it. Well, next chapter, we they go they're gonna go into the promised land. Well, for the first time, kind of, kind of. Yeah, a couple well, of them are gonna go. Well, they're, no, they're gonna, they're gonna go. They're gonna go in there. A baker's dozen. They're gonna go in there. Well, not a baker's dozen. But. It's just the result <laughs> not gonna be all that uh, they had hoped for. Well, and what have we seen? The rabble rebelled. The leadership is rebelling, and we're gonna see this again, yeah. right? And then the entire camp is gonna rebel, and then we'll see again. The and what's and, and we'll, the spies we'll, are gonna rebel. And, and the spies are. We, yeah. We'll talk about it because what we're gonna see. It's gonna be funny. He's gonna say something. Yeah. He's gonna say something in numbers. That's going to break. The, it's like fourth wall. It's mm-hmm. breaking the fourth wall a little bit because he's going to say, you know, they rebelled against me 10 times. What? You go back and read. It hasn't been 10 times yet. If you count all of the rebellions in Numbers and Exodus, it's 10 times. Mm-hmm. So he's going to say something and it's going to be like, what, what do you, just, did he say this then? How did, wait a minute. Who, who is he talking to when he yeah. says this? Anyway, we'll get into it. It'll be fun. Yeah, we'll get it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the for the power of the text, for the power of the word, and for your patience with us as we as we navigate through it, and as we strive to understand uh, and learn from what these people went through. Father, we know that that we're only saved because of your grace and your mercy. We can't do this on our own. It, it, it is impossible for us. We see it every day in our lives. We see the inconsistencies and the failures every day in our lives, and we thank you, Father that you loved us enough to send your son to make a way for us to, to come to you through grace and mercy. Thank you, Father. Bless us as we, as we navigate through it. Bless us as we learn it. Bless us as we apply these principles, these ideas, and the, and the knowledge to our lives and help us to live the kind of lives that we're supposed to live. Thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.